0: And so we're looking at belonging, Uh, we did a marketing exercise in the life of our church a number of years ago, and I wanted to do that this morning here with you guys. We said to the people, I think it was the leadership, a large leadership team, choose one word to describe the church. So think about one word, not a swear word, just one (laughs) word. (laughs) Just think about one word, and I want you to shout out that word. Passion. 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 Family. 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 Mm -hmm. On this side. Community. 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 Try another one. United. That's three words, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am. Choose body, Christ, or (laughs) of. I'm just joking. I'm just teasing you. This side. Sorry? Home. Home. Very good. So we took those words, and there's a an app that um, the more times people say one word, it kind of grows larger than the other word. So all of those words are on a piece of paper, and then two words for us seem to get larger and larger and larger. And those two words were family and mission. And so we started changing our slogan to hashtag family on mission. And so that's what God has called us to. He's called us to be a family, a place of belonging, but it's belonging with a purpose. It's, a purpose is the mission. Um, the, the greatest, strongest spirit that I've ever come across in 25 years of leading the church is an ancient, ancient spirit called the orphan spirit. And the chief proponent of that orphan spirit is the devil himself. Because yeah. the devil was cast out of heaven. Yeah. And so he roams the earth with this orphan spirit. And he wants to give God's people a sense of abandonment. Because that's what an orphan is. An orphan has been abandoned by his parents. A sense of insecurity. And a sense of not belonging anywhere. And that spirit is rife in each one of us, in leadership teams, and in the church. And so when people overreact, or they react out of insecurity, um, I just know that that ancient orphan spirit is at work once again. We see it in the nation. We see it with our nation's leaders. And um, God comes to give us a place of belonging and identity. We're not orphans. We are children. And as, as I say, a sense of belonging and with a sense of mission and not abandoned. And so we are family on mission. God took a man. He gave him 12 sons. And from those sons, he built a nation. His name was Jacob. Each son became a tribe. And each tribe formed the nation. And so God calls each family a local church as a family, and us individually as families to do four things. And we pick that up right at the beginning of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, from verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. So in other words, we to reflect the image of God. So the first thing we call to do in our, in our personal families and in the church families is to reflect the image of God. And then he says, um, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over every and all creatures that move along the ground. So God gives us and ab- and bring harmony and peace. So every single family, every single church family is called to reflect the image and the nature of God and to govern, to bring things into peace and into order where Fruitfulness can flow. So it says, So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. And boy, has there been a debate around that male and female. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in numbers. And so the third thing that we do as Christian families is to produce and to raise godly children. That's our function as a family. And then the final one is um, he said he blessed them. And so he calls us to create an environment, an atmosphere of wholesomeness and of blessing that people can flourish and reach their full, full potential. If I were to ask you, what do you think is the greatest family in the world to belong to? Let's just say that we've got no choice in who our mothers and fathers or families are, but let's just say you have a choice this morning. What family would you like to belong to? Who'd like to be part of the British royal family? No. no. <laughs> Don't you want to live in mansions served by butlers, own huge wealth, everybody bowing down to you thinking you're great? What about um, Bill Gates' family? What about Elon Musk? No. Definitely not. <laughs> what family would you like to belong to? You've got a free choice. The Oppenheimers. <laughs> okay, there we go. I'm not going to ask you why, but it's a good choice. You could choose. What family would you like to belong to? The one you're in? Oh, that's a good answer. you <coughs> interested in the Rothschilds. Maybe a very wealthy royal French or Italian family that owns castles on the Riviera. Who'd like to belong to a politician's family? Ramaphosa's family. <laughs> Who'd like to belong to the family of a great man or woman? Of Mother Teresa's family if she had a family. Family. <laughs> Well, the good news is you've been invited to join the greatest family that has ever walked the face of the earth. There were two great characters in the old, t- well, there were more than two. But if you, if you go to a Jewish guy and you say, who are the two greatest patriarchs? I mean, you've got Adam, you've got Noah, you've got Jacob, you've got Joseph, you've got David, you've got all of them. There are two names that come out above that. That she is Abraham's, number one, and Moses, the deliverer leader that broke his people out of slavery. David, I mean, he was a magnificent leader and a person. All of those would kind of fall underneath Abraham and um, Moses. And Abraham is known as Father Abraham. He was the father of. The family. Jews, 12 sons who became a nation. And so God said, your, inherit, your sons and daughters will be more than the stars in the sky or the particles of sand on the beach. And so Abraham was known as the father of the nation. When Matthew, if you've got your Bibles and you go to the first page on Matthew's Gospel, he starts with the genealogy of Jesus. Who does he start with? Not Adam. Not Noah. He starts with Abraham. So for him, the beginning of the line of Jesus starts with with um, Abraham. The other guys do everybody, you know. Um, in Isaiah four verse, uh, rather forty one verse eight, he's known as the friend of God. I uh, I preached a sermon in the, in a Middle East setting called. Uh, the friend of God and what it means to be the friend of God, and for some reason it just grabbed the imagination and the heart of the Arab guys that I was preaching to. They were overwhelmed. It was like the most, the most fruitful sermon that i would ever preached in the Middle East. So I thought, okay, well if it worked there, I'm sure it's going to work you know, in Kuwait kind of thing, and the same thing happened. And I wondered why people were responding to being the friend of God. Because they can also trace their, uh, the, the Arab Muslim world back to Abraham. But their picture of God is not as a friend. Their picture of God is this very stern, uh, kind of deterministic God. He'll just do what he wants to, you know, and, and, and he, there's no relationship. So it was interesting to me that when I preached on Father Abraham, the friend of God, it impacted people's hearts so so, so much so um, why was he so special? Well, we don't really have the time to go into all of it, but he uh, got into a covenant with him. And that covenant has kind of been the blueprint for NCMI. It's part of our DNA. Um, the actual covenant that God entered into with him, we see, and we won't go through to in Genesis uh, sh- chapter 15. He was also a very, very wealthy guy. But Genesis chapter 15, you can read through it. He splits a goat, a ram, and a heifer, and the presence of God comes, and God walks through the middle of it with him, and he secures this covenant that he made with him in Genesis chapter 12, from verse 2 to 3. He says to Abraham, I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So I thought it would be great to have a tune-up. You know, we've got motor cars, we take it to the service station. So I said this in Ethiopia in another context. I said, we're gonna have a tune-up. So I said, you change the mechanic changes the oil, takes the filters, replaces them. They all went, No, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. So I said, oh, what do you mean? They said, no, no, no. We take the filter out, we clean it, and we put it back. <laughs> It don't replace but so there's 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 a number of aspects of this covenant that we see. The first, you know, it's beautiful when the Bible illuminates itself. And so we're gonna see that this morning. So Abraham gets this incredible covenant that God makes with him. He's gonna be a great nation, God's gonna bless him, he'll be a blessing, etc. etc. And Paul, in Galatians chapter 3, looks back at that original covenant. Uh, If I just get it. It's Galatians chapter 3, verse 7. He says, Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Speaking of us. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. Abraham. Genesis 12, 2-3 is the gospel. We understand the gospel as the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says that which was said there was the gospel in advance. And we qualify. We're part of that family. We're included in that family. And what is the essence of that gospel? God's going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the nations. And he carries on. Uh, you can read it, it's as a, as a, as a wonderful chapter, chapter 3. Uh, go to verse 14. It says, He redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 29 of that same chapter 3, it says, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So I hope I've established my argument this morning. You belong to a family. You are not an orphan. You don't have to be uh, uh, intimidated by the work of the enemy that you want to tell you you're abandoned. You've got no place where you belong. You're living outside of the family. Paul says what was given to Abraham, that was actually the gospel. He didn't know it because he didn't know about Christ. But Christ came to secure that for those who are part of the family, for those that belong. And if you acknowledge and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you belong to that family. So you should never feel insecure. You should never feel abandoned. And you should never feel as if I don't belong. There's no place that I belong. Sometimes we mess this up. This thing's hooking on my ear, y'all. Going to look like would of the Elephant soon. <laughs> but um, sometimes we as church people mess it up and we make people feel like they don't belong. But that doesn't change this big picture, this tune-up story. And so it's the gospel in advance. We are the children. The reason Jesus came was so that we could live in that. So the top line is: you will be a believer. We'll live with God, in God's love, we'll live with God's approval. We'll live with fruitfulness, because he said, those that bless you, I will bless. So even our friends are going to be blessed. We're going to have some wonderful friends that are going to be blessed together with us. Um, uh, we'll belong in a family. And he says, those that curse you, I will destroy. And so you've got this, um, we said, God, the God who fights for us, one of his names. There it is there. An incredible place of privilege and honor and of belonging. And then the bottom line of that uh, covenant is that you will be a blessing to others. This is the very reason that God blesses you, so that you can bless other people. It's not a one way thing, it's a we bless to release that blessing to others. And this is our mission. And so our mission statement we take from Matthew chapter 28, also part of the tuning given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I've written in my Bible something that um, David Livingston said. He said, these are the words of a gentleman of the most strict and sacred honor. So that's an end to it. (laughs) In other words, he said it, I believe it. And he lived in that, which is the Abrahamic covenant in advance. It's the gospel of Christ in advance. So, are you all settled that we're part of this family? When you get to heaven and you see Abraham, you are fully entitled to say, How's it, Dad? (laughs) How are you my father? Because he's the father of all of us. He's the head of this unbelievably wonderful family. But I was captivated by a few incidents in Jesus' life towards the end of his life. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's done all his ministry, and he's the furthest point from Jerusalem. And he's walking back to Jerusalem, and he's walking back to his crucifixion. And he seems to take his time. In the gospel of Luke. And he meanders through villages. Spends time. And as he goes. He proclaims the gospel. And he. If you're in Luke. Early on in Luke chapter 9. On two occasions he predicts his death. He says in chapter 9 verse 21. The son of man must suffer many things. And be rejected by the elders. The chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed. And on the third day. Will be raised to life. And he repeats that later on. So he knows where he's going. He knows he's going to his death. And so he's got very little time left. And so what he does is he preaches the gospel. And he demonstrates it with healings and signs and wonders. And I can imagine as he was walking through those villages. And as he was looking at the people. And maybe there were crowds that uh, had gathered to hear him preach. the thought must have entered his mind that the next time I see these people will be when they appear before the judgment seat. And so you can understand there would have been an urgency in his heart and a great desire to see as many people touched by the gospel because they would never, if they rejected him, the next time they see him would be as the risen Son of God seated on a throne of judgment Determining the des- eternal destiny. And so there must have been a, 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 a weight on him as he walked through. So on his journey, as he's getting through, in, uh, we we were, we're in Luke chapter 13, um, verse 22. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? What a great question. What a great question. How would you answer that? Do you think be tons of people saved? Heaven's going to be crowded. You're squeezing through the door and stand. Or do you think there are going to be wide open spaces? And so obviously this guy was watching what was going on. And so he asked this very, very real question. Lord, are there many people going to be saved? Or just a few? And like Jesus always does, he kind of answers the question, but he doesn't answer the question. with kind of at another level. We're going to look at how he answered and how we can live out the mission because we are family. And for me, this is the easiest way to live out the mission. So let's just have a look at Jesus' answer. He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and will take their place at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be lost where do the majority of people go? We've been to many funerals and I've conducted many funerals. Funerals of people I know are not, have not honored God, not loved God, not submitted to Christ and rejected Him. But I've never heard of a pastor who would have the courage to say, "Our dearly departed brother, we want to celebrate his life. But unfortunately, it's burning in the fires of hell at the moment. Have you ever heard that in the funeral? Uh, I once did a funeral of a, a vowed atheist. The family asked me to do it. He hate, said, he don't look so concerned. <laughs> you looking very worried. It's no, none of our family. <laughs> he hated God to his very darn breath. Atheists atheist had no interest in God. God didn't exist. We were there with him uh, towards the end and so now you go got to honor his life in that. So All you can really do is just speak about those that are still there. Because he's had his life, he's had his chance, hasn't responded to the great news, didn't ever want to be part of this wonderful family, and now has an eternal destiny that um, I don't think we'd wish on anybody. And so where do the mo- majority of people go? Many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. And so Jesus turns the, his answer away from numbers to the kind of person that's going to make it. And so he says, uh, stru- strive. And so that really is to struggle or to wrestle. It's like an kind of athletic thing. I don't know if you saw, any of you had the courage to watch Drikas win the World Cup. I walked past the TV set. I didn't see the whole thing. I just saw the end and there was so much blood on those two guys. I said to, to little Alec, don't look, don't look. Walk you' care and Those two guys were wrestling. <laughs> and it's, the Bible speaks of that kind of wrestling. Um, only those who are really serious about the things of God are going to make it. There's no room for casual seekers. Those who are going to make it are those who have overcome obstacles. That overcome the pressures of careers, the pressures of family. I spoke a little bit about the Middle East. If you convert to Christianity, you are ostracized from the family. You are no longer part of that, the, 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 the personal families. So it's a price. And so he's talking about people that have overcome obstacles, um, serious betrayals along the way that have still held in and pushed in. Um, It calls for an all-out effort, a sustained life of honoring and serving God. He says, uh, the next one, there's a time period in all of our lives, and if you're too late and the door's closed, that's it. You're on the other side, and the, the master of the house is not going to open that door. And so you can cry, and you can carry on, you can beat the door, but there's a time limit either in our own lives or we know for sure that when we die, uh, and there's a time limit for nations um, and even for churches. There are churches that have not walked in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ that no longer exist anymore. I mean, I can't tell you how many ruins of ancient churches I've, I've been to in, in Italy, in Italy as well, but in Turkey. Old churches, that, that old buildings that you go into, there are times... And there are time periods. And so there's going to be this place of weeping and gnashing, etc. And then the most terrifying thing of all is God will say, I did not know you. But we know you. We saw you in our streets. You ate with us. He says, I do not have a relationship with you. The broad road will never lead to the narrow gate. So if you're on that broad road, there's no narrow gate at the end of that broad road. It's a narrow road and a narrow gate. And so the greatest way that we can uh, be a family on mission is if we tell other people about this unbelievable gospel that was given to our father Abraham that through Jesus was secured, the blessing of God in our lives so that we can be a blessing to the nations, was secured for us. And the way we can do it is by sharing this message of life to where everywhere we go. You see, Jesus is too good to be kept a secret. It's too good to be kept a secret. The love and the kindness. Of God towards us is too big for us to contain it. It's just too big for us to contain it. And Christ's commission for us to be a blessing by sharing the gospel with other people is too great to disobey. I was um, riding to church about two weeks ago, and uh, I mean I, I don't think I've ever heard the audible voice of God. Maybe we'll finish with this. But in my spirit, I just heard these words. There's room for one more. There's room for one more. And I understood the context in which those words came to me. And so in, in the service that, that we held, I had an opportunity to get up and say, I believe God's saying there's still room. And there's that, we don't have time, but there's that parable. Right after this, right after Jesus says there's going to be a little bit of people, a few people saved, chapter 14, he talks about the wedding banquet where he sends his servants out. And people say, no, 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 they can't come. And, he, and the master says, go now out into the highways and the byways and compel people to come in. And so we're part of those servants as part of this family family. They have an understanding of this Abrahamic covenant, which is the gospel in advance, that it's our job to go out and tell people there's still room. Yeah. The door hasn't been closed yet. There's still room. And that's got to be our family on mission. It's from this place of belonging that we're able to be a blessing. And the best way we can be a blessing. There's no other greater blessing That we can be to people and to introduce them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm conscious that wherever I go, no matter what kind of crowd I'm in, there are people that are on the other side of the door. Even in a meeting like this, I don't know that everybody's going to make it. We've got no guarantee. If I were to go to the storehouse this morning, I have no guarantee that everybody has made that commitment that people are striving. It talks about working out your salvation, it's those kind of scriptures. I'm not sure that everybody that, that I bump into in the street knows this incredible message of life. And the biggest blessing that we can be is to share the gospel. So I'm, I'm asking that we'd make a covenant with each other that at least once this week, Ask God for an opportunity to share the gospel. We we did that like, many years ago at the storehouse, and Brad Verena was still with us. And um, the week, like the Saturday night, was coming, and he hadn't shared the gospel with anybody. <laughs> he's a very really, wonderful guy. <laughs> uh, and he, wanted, he had to share the gospel. So he said, well, the only thing, the only people I can share the gospel with is these guys at the petrol station. So he went and he filled up his car and he shared the gospel. So he made it with that seven-day thing before the Sunday. But I'm asking that, it's not too much to ask, eh? let we just be conscious. of One person that we can share the gospel to. And so if you're here this, evening, this morning and you say, I'm not sure, whether I moved across that threshold. I'm not sure that Jesus, uh, or that Jesus might say to me, I do not know you. And you have that concern in your heart that I'm not 100% sure. Then we can settle that this morning. So simply with a heart attitude turned towards God and a prayer. And we believe that you can transition across. I want to belong to this family. I want of God to bless me. And I want to be a blessing to other people. But I'm not sure in my heart. Then I ask you to stand right now where you are. It takes great courage for the first person to stand. But if you're saying, I want to settle this issue of my relationship with Jesus, I do not want him to say on that day, away from me, I do not know you. If there's any uncertainty in your heart, then stand, and we'll pray for you, and we'll make sure that um, you don't ever have to be concerned when you read these words again. See anybody this morning? I'm not going to assume that you're all okay. <laughs> Bless you, ma'am. Bless you, ma'am. It's a great courage. To... Stay, stay, stay seated. I want um, for one of the leaders just to go pray ladies else? Who would, anybody else who would like to join her? We're just going to send someone to you. They're going to lead you in a prayer and um, we're going to seal this moment. Okay. Anybody else would like to join her? Okay there's room for one more. There's room for one more. that's the one more coming through the door. God bless. Can't someone else go and help her as well? Maybe another welcomed part of the family. Are you standing, sir? Okay. We get someone to go pray over there as well. There's room for one more. Bless you. So I'll just lead them in a prayer of um, repentance and acceptance of Christ. And the other guys don't spectate. Pick someone and pray for them now because this is, we want this to be authentic. We want this to be real. We want this to be a moment that will change their lives forever. So just pick one of these two, two folks and just pray. So God, may this make yourself real. May this moment be real to them as they respond to Christ, to the gospel. And this is important enough that we just pause things for a few moments. Lord. Amen. So those of us that have responded, welcome to the family. <laughs> you have a pleasure. <laughs>